Hi everyone, just a quick message before we start today's episode. The generosity of our members and friends is life-changing for young investigators, lung patients, and patient families. Donations made to the ATS will help to support our mission to fund emerging investigators in cutting-edge research, sustain education and public health initiatives, and reduce health disparities to advance worldwide respiratory health. If you would like to make a contribution to the ATS to help support our mission, please visit thoracic.org go slash donate. That's thoracic.org go slash donate. This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome to the Scholarly Podcast. My name is Juliana Ferreira. I'm an Associate Professor of Pulmonary and Critical Care at the University of Sao Paulo and a member of the podcast team here at Scholarly. Today, we'll be discussing a paper published in HES Scholar entitled Evaluation of a Summer Medical Student Research Program in a Pandemic. We will be joined by Dr. William Hardy, the first author of the paper. Dr. Hardy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure, I'm a pediatric uh, pulmonologist, um, professor uh, at uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And one of my jobs is I oversee a summer research program for medical students who are doing research between their first and second year of medical school. And the research is focused on pediatric respiratory disorders. That's cool. Uh, so I'm going to jump in into, into your, your article. And your study found that medical students participating in, in a research training program during the summer of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic uh, in a remote format rated the program quite highly, sometimes even better than previous trainees who participated in the same program on site. In your opinion, are virtual platforms for mentoring here to stay? I believe so. Um, you know, I've, this year we're having the same uh, program and students are not required to be off campus as they were last year. And we are finding that um, the students are requesting to have a mixture of both on-campus and off-campus experience. And uh, if you'd asked me, if the students had asked me to do that a few years ago, I would have probably said, no, we want them to be on campus. But after our experience um, last summer during the pandemic, we realized there are really some significant benefits for the students to um, participate or do some of their research off campus. So yes, I do believe that this is going to be um, how things will be moving forward. Mm, that's interesting that they are interested in, in participating online. Uh, can you tell us the motivation for the study? I mean, you were, uh, it was uh, July of 2020. We were really in the, in the uh, midst of the pandemic. And, and why did you think it was important to, to do a study about uh, the experience in your, in your program? Yeah, it was um, kind of along the lines we just spoke about. We, we, um, we obviously didn't plan this, but you know, we decided to, we, well, first we, ha we had debate whether we would even have our summer research program in 2020, since none of the students could be present on campus. But after some debate, we decided we'd go ahead and see, go ahead and move forward with the, with the program, not really having any idea if this would be beneficial to the students or the mentors 
you know, since since this is going to this was something that was completely different from what we'd ever had before. So fortunately, um, you know, we have a, a fairly involved survey that the students um, take at the end of the summer, and we hadn't changed that survey for several years. So surveying the students after the end of the program last summer, when they were all remote, enabled us to sort of compare those answers to previous surveys when the students were on campus. And it allowed us to have at least an objective way to assess whether this was a successful endeavor having students doing their research um, off campus. Yeah, it looks like a great opportunity. Uh, but uh, based on what you said, I'm, I'm assuming you, you had never considered offering the program in a remote uh, version or a hybrid format before. Am I correct? That is correct. Yeah. So circumstances kind of forced many of us to to make these transitions, right? That, exactly. <laughs> uh, can you can you tell our listeners what was the main study aim, aim and and why do you think this was uh, the most important question to ask? Uh, you know, I think the hypothesis, my hypothesis, you know, going into this study was that the students would be less satisfied um, and um, be less enthusiastic about research um, participating in a remote format and really want to sort of quantify that with this study. Um, so, you know, that that was the main hypothesis, but obviously that, you know, that was not the case. Um, the, the students were actually as happy in some case, like I mentioned, um, certain aspects of the remote program were actually, I think, more beneficial to the students than when they were on site. So it, it certainly changed my way of thinking about how we would do these summer research um, programs, you know, moving forward. Yeah, that's that's great. Can you tell us a bit more about the program? How, for example, how long does it last? And um, yeah, it, in its virtual version and the on-site version, and uh, what usually are the expectations or I don't know deliverables for the program? For example, do most trainees present posters in conferences or co-author a manuscript? What is the what is the usual output for them? Yeah, so um, the, the format of the program is uh, it runs for nine weeks in the summer, um, usually starting in early June and ends in early August. So the students in the spring will um, apply to the program and they have to identify a mentor. And it's a pediatric researcher who's doing some type of work on pediatric respiratory disorders. So that could be uh, it could be a wide variety of things. It could be um, sleep apnea, it could be asthma, cystic fibrosis, um, pneumonias. And, and we have mentors that are cover quite a few disciplines in the pediatric world. We have um, uh, pediatric pulmonologists, sleep specialists, neonatologists, critical care, emergency room, hospital medicine, um, even psychologists. So there's a wide variety of projects and a lot of opportunities for the students to choose from. And once they're selected, the 90, 95% of their time is they're focused on their research project. Uh, they'll have a hypothesis uh, and they will uh, collect data during their eight to nine week um, program. And 
at the end of the summer, they will present that to the group, to myself and to the other students and other mentors, show us what they did, what they learned, um, and what the plans are moving forward. So the, you know, the, really the, the main goal of this program is to hopefully entice, encourage students to become excited about research, specifically pediatric respiratory disorders. And the, you know, the long-term goal is that we will uh, encourage them to um, pursue this as sort of a long-term career. In other words, we'd love for, to uh, have more uh, physician scientists that are focused on pediatric respiratory disorders. So that's the, that's the long-term goal. The short-term goal, um, you know, in, in terms of deliverables, you know, I, we encourage them to uh, present the research. Well, they, they all have to present the research to us at the end of the summer. But then we also um, encourage them to continue the research project throughout the rest of their medical school year. And of course, we would love for them to present at national meetings and, um, and also manuscripts if they're fortunate enough to have data that can be presented in a peer-reviewed manuscript. So we, we do track that. Um, and, that's, and we also track what their long-term career uh, goals are, or I'm sorry, that their long-term uh, career plans are. And, th and I think ultimately the way that if, whether or not this program is successful is really to see how many of these students ultimately go into um, research or become physician scientists. Wow, that's awesome. I, I was intrigued by uh, what adaptations were necessary to run a research training program virtually with mentees and able to go on, I don't know, to research labs or, or participate in clinical research activities. How did, did, how did you work this out? You know, it was, um, it was really between the mentor and the student. You know, we, 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 I, right before we made the decision to move forward with having the program remotely, I called each mentor and just said, you know, hey, you know, your, the students are still interested. Are you still interested? And um, if so, how do you, you know, <laughs> how are you going to do this? And, and so we really, you know, I didn't mandate anything specific, but pretty much all the mentors did the same. They, they met with the students using a, a video format, you know, like a Teams or a Zoom, or they had phone calls or they communicated by email. So, you know, it was really up to the mentor and the student, but it seems like they all, you know, the, the vast majority of them ended up communicating through uh, virtual formats. Oh, that's, that's interesting. And they all had to come up with solutions for, for the projects to be yeah. done online. Uh, can you briefly describe the methods you used to measure? You mentioned before that satisfaction was high among the trainees. Can you briefly describe how you measure that? Right. So we have a we we have two surveys that we administer to the students. One's at the very beginning of the program, and one's at the end of the summer. The one in the beginning is just asking questions like, um, you know, what's what's your background in research, and we usually do um, Likert type of um, uh, Likert Likert questions. You know, like a like a uh, a little background in research, no background in research, some a lot. And then we also asked rating scale questions where we'd ask them like rating from one to 10, you know, how happy you were, things like that. But the, um, you know, the, the beginning of the summer survey was again, it was just focused on what's your background in research? How interested are you in considering a career as a physician scientist? 
Um, what's your project? Is it basic science? Is it clinical research, uh, quality improvement, so forth? And then at the end of the summer, it's a much more extensive survey. Um, we asked the same question again. We asked them, how interested are you in considering a career as a physician scientist? But we also go through all aspects of the program and ask the students to rate it, again, either on a Likert scale or a rating scale, as to um, how uh, do they feel that their prior research or that their understanding of scientific method was increased or their understanding of the scientific literature is increased, their research skills are increased. We ask them to rate their relationship with the mentor, rate their um, relationship uh, or their uh, overall experience with the, um, with the whole research program. Um, and, you know, and then the, you know, ultimately we ask them, you know, uh, rate, rate the overall program for the summer. Uh, and that's usually on a one to 10 scale. And so we, you know, we were able to collect quite a bit of data and then compare this back to the previous years when the program was exclusively onset. And uh, can you tell us what, what you found with those, with those surveys? Yeah, it was, again, it, it, it was surprising to us. It, it certainly uh, disproved our hypothesis. The students seemed quite happy. So when we looked at specifically questions such as your understanding of scientific method, we asked them, was it increased or unchanged? Um, it was virtually identical between the students in the remote year uh, 2020 versus the prior years of on-campus. Similarly, the, um, actually, when we asked them their understanding of scientific literature, if it was increased or unchanged, 92% of the students in 2020 said it was increased compared to 79% in prior years. Um, we asked them if their research skills were increased 92% in both 2020 and in prior years, rated that their research skills were increased. So if you're looking at um, you know, just those questions, it was you know, virtually identical, if not slightly improved in the students who were uh, remote in 2020. Um, we also asked them just to overall, on a scale of one to 10, rate their research training experience. And that number, which was a little shy of nine, with 10 being the highest, was virtually unchanged between 2020 and the prior years. Similarly, the mentor relationship was rated the same, and the overall satisfaction was almost identical between 2020 and prior years. And then we also looked to see, well, another thing that was a little surprising was we asked if, what, if the students thought that their would continue their research project or continue their mentor relationship after the summer uh, program. And the percentages who were saying that they were likely to continue their project or their mentor relationship was um, higher. It wasn't statistically higher, but it certainly was uh, higher in the 2020 year compared to prior, to prior years. So I guess. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Go, yeah, ahead. No, go, go ahead. I was going to say that in this case, disproving your hypothesis was actually a great result, right? It was, yeah. It was very, it was very, we were very happy with that, um, that the students felt like they still had a positive experience and they still feel that, that they learned quite a bit. And I think that speaks a lot to the engagement of the mentors. I think the mentors, um, you know, made significant effort to keep their students uh, involved during the summer. 
Yeah, you also showed that communication between the mentees and mentors was effective with usually two to three communications per week. That's correct. And the mentoring experience was rated adequate or better for most mentors, which is fantastic, I think. Were you surprised with this result? Was, was there a concern that communications might be unsatisfactory due to virtual format? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I felt like if a student can't see the mentor, you know, they're, they're not going to have a good bonding relationship and they're not going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to be as satisfying for the students. I still feel like, you know, in-person is best, but then I'm, maybe I'm old school and the younger students are more adept and um, comfortable with uh, electronic communication. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they seem, they seem to be quite, quite pleased um, with their interactions with their mentors. And I, I almost kind of wonder if uh, having these different options of communicating, such as video conferencing, allows more flexibility for both the students and the mentors that actually can make a, the, the uh, frequency of communication occur more frequently. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you also showed that program directors were quite satisfied with the, with the summer camp in the virtual format, correct? That's right. Yeah, I should mention that. Um, so in addition to, to surveying the students, we surveyed all our mentors. Um, just to ask them how you communicated with the student, how often you communicated, and how, how you felt like the overall effectiveness of mentoring was. Uh, and Julianne, as you mentioned earlier, yeah, the vast majority of the, of the mentors, when they ranked their satisfaction um, of the effectiveness of mentoring in 2020, felt that it was as good, better, or adequate compared to prior years. None of the student, none of the mentors ranked it as unsatisfactory. Um, so it suggested that this that the mentors felt like it was effective, you know, remotely. And then we, um, I was able to find a list of all the other T thirty five programs sponsored. Uh, T thirty five is the uh, it stands for a training. That's the NIH term for a summer training grant. So I was able to contact all the other T35 program directors that are sponsored through the um, National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. And I, I think of the, I think of 16 that I contacted, 14 of them were uh, able to get back to me. So I had a very good uh, response rate from the um, other program directors. And I just, I, when I, when I the, spoke to these program directors, I had some just relatively straightforward questions um, asking them, um, you know, how they ran their programs, and again, how effective the programs were remotely, and the the response I, I got back was almost identical to that of the the mentors. Um, I should step back and say that the specific questions we asked the mentors and the program directors were, rate the effectiveness of your mentoring or rate the effectiveness of the remote program, and they could either say it's unsatisfactory, adequate, as good, or better. And as with the mentors, the program directors rated all adequate, as good, or better um, in 2020 compared to prior years. And the, and the distribution of these rank of this rating ranking was almost identical between the program directors and that of the mentors. Um, the vast majority saying that it was adequate, a fair number saying it was as good, and a few rating it as actually better, with nobody ranking it as unsatisfactory. So I, I think that the result 
supports this that of the students and that the remote formats um, was actually successful and effective, you know, based on student perspective, mentor perspective, and program director perspective. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you mentioned that you usually do, uh, that students uh, or mentees have to present their results at the end of the program. Did you run, uh, I don't know, a virtual, uh, a big uh, day yes. where everybody presented to everybody? How did that work? Yeah, it worked well. First of all, it worked, <laughs> which by itself was a success in that, in that you know, we didn't have any technical glitches. But um, yeah, no, we, um, you know, we always have an outside, we, we bring a outside speaker for our, our end of summer presentations. You know, we invite somebody from another institution um, who's a physician scientist in some type of pediatric respiratory field to give a talk. And then they watch the presentations of the students with the rest of the faculty here at Cincinnati. And we were able to do that. Of course, it was all remotely, but we had our outside speaker come and they, they give a, a short talk about their career and their research interests. And then they um, watch each of the students present their research, which is, you know, a 10 to 15 minute format. Uh, and it went well, you know, it, uh, I thought the students did a fantastic job. I don't have a objective way to rate the student presentations, but I've been doing this was last year was my ninth year of doing this program. And I would say um, it was as good, if not better than what we've had in prior years. So I was very impressed by how well the students and their, and their mentors could put together a, a successful project uh, in the summer. Oh, that's that's really awesome. And these are medical students, right? So it could be that this is the first time they're presenting their research or presenting to an audience um, because they're very early in their careers, right? They're exactly right. Yes. I, I think they will remember that for for their careers. Mm. I thought that one of the most important findings in your study is that most trainees reported an interest in pursuing careers as research scientists in the future. And this, is, this was not different from previous years when the program was on site. Do you see this finding as an opportunity to expand existing research training programs or create new programs, taking it the advantage of the fact that virtual platforms can be more accessible or more equitable? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And, and thank you for bringing that up. That's, um, I think that's the key data. I, I agree with you. I think that's the key data from our study is, uh, and I'll just describe it real quickly. We ask students at the beginning of the summer and at the end of the summer, how likely you are to consider a career as a physician scientist. And it's a five point Likert scale where they can say not interested, somewhat interested, not sure, very interested, so forth. And we looked at the percentage of students who say that they were likely or very likely to consider a career as a physician scientist. And we compared the uh, numbers uh, in 2020 to previous years at the start of the program, and we compared the numbers at the end of the program. And about 50% of the students at the start of the program for both 2020 and prior years say that they were likely or very likely to consider a career as a physician scientist. When we look at that number um, at the end of the program, it's roughly 80%. Um, and it was almost identical um, for 2020 compared to previous, previous years, slightly higher 
for 2020. So it, it shows that, you know, we get a bump. We consistently get a bump at the end of the summer of students that are interested um, as a, to be a physician scientist. And being remote had absolutely no impact. If nothing else, it made them slightly more likely. Um, so yeah, I agree with you, Julian. I think that this proves that you know if you could you could expand um, programs, you know, summer programs for medical students to expose them to to research. You know, it, it's it doesn't have to be limited by necessarily by physical space when you can do this in a uh, at least somewhat successfully on a remote format. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's all relevant. Uh, these are the future of researcher scientists, right? Uh, engaging yeah. them early in the career is so, so important. Yeah, and that's, I think that's what everyone realized. This is, this is how I got interested in research. I, I, I wasn't thinking of research at all when I was a medical student, but they had an opportunity in the summer between my first and second year. So I, I, I went ahead and did it without, just because uh, I picked the, I picked the opportunity that paid the highest stipend, <laughs> which was pulmonary, <laughs> and it totally changed everything, you know, so I think it's neat to expose the students, you know, they're all bright, and they're all, you know, curious, and, and if they have a, if they're lucky, and they have a good mentor, that's the key, you know, having a good mentor that's engaged, and then, you know, also, if you can have a, a project that gives, that's exciting and gives you some results, then I think you've got a good chance to sort of grab them. And and you know get them interested um, in, in research. Um, you know I think the certainly the downside of the remote is that if they're interested in bench research, that's there's real limitations there. You can't pipette and you know do mouse work or cell work or stuff like that. But you can still you know for a few months. You know we had students that were working in. Um, you know, high level labs, and they just, they did background research and wrote, you know, review papers. So that's okay. You know, that's, a, that's still, you know, a good start. Um, so I completely agree. I think as you engage them and they, they'll come back uh, either yeah. with the same mentors or somewhere else, but they, they tasted and, and got to know how things work. And I think the ones that really got interested in that will pursue this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, Dr. Hardy, it was great having you here at Scholarly today. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Scholarly. If you like this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you read you get your podcasts. To listen to more episodes and see notes from today's discussion you can visit our webpage at hesjournals.org slash scholarly. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.